Let's go to the Lord in prayer real quick. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the blessings that you've given us, Lord, in this country. We thank you for the freedoms that we've grown up enjoying, that we've been allowed to come here and gather and worship you without fear or threat, Lord. And we thank you for the men who shed their lives, that laid them down, Lord. You say there is no greater love than the man who lays down his life for his friends. And God, we thank you for those people who are willing to do that. And we thank you for the great people that have gone before us to do such things, Lord. And God, we just, we just pray that you'll just, you'll just continue to bless this country and that you'll just open our eyes as well. That there is much going on right now that keeps us from setting our minds on you. And we pray that as we talk today about your kingdom, that you would just help all of us just to set on our minds on your kingdom. That your kingdom is glorious and that your kingdom is eternal and that it will endure all things and it will never end. Just pray that you'll just help us to think of these things this morning. Reveal your truth to us. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. I'm going to have to get a drink before I start. We're going to be talking about the kingdom of God. Now it's doing something a little different today. Um, Normally... I'll, I'll have you read, I'll read from one passage, but there's a lot of verses that I've picked out that, because the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven it's also known, has a variety of things said about it throughout the Bible, and so if you look in your notes, you can find the verses in order, in parentheses, next to the points, if you want to try to follow along, otherwise it'll be on the screen, but I've, I've kind of put mine on, on sheets of paper where I can just read from because uh, I didn't think I'd get to flip everywhere I needed to in time. So, but we're going to be talking about the kingdom of God today, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God, we're going to be talking about what the kingdom of God is, what the kingdom of heaven is, um, how valuable it is, that Jesus tells us to pursue that kingdom, and that in our natural fallen state, we resist that kingdom. Even as Christians at time in our lives, we resist that kingdom. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today. And it's important because God's kingdom is it's eternal. And all the kingdoms of this world are temporary and they're going to pass away, but God's kingdom will endure forever. And it's the most valuable, most fulfilling thing that we could ever have in our lives. And so the first point that I want to think about today is that the kingdom of God is here and now. And that's point number one. The kingdom of God is here and now. You know, a lot of times we think about heaven as a place that we're going to go when we die. And it's easy to think of that. We think about the words eternal life and the afterlife, and we think about, well, that's just when I die, I'm going to go to heaven. But Jesus shows us, and he tells us the kingdom of heaven exists here and now. In Luke chapter 17, verses 20 through 21, Jesus was approached by Pharisees, and the Pharisees said, when, when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming with something observable. No one will say, see here or there, for you see the kingdom of God is in your midst. So what he's saying is that the kingdom of God is here. It's now, right? This is why John the Baptist and Jesus started their ministry off with saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's nearby. You can, you can reach, you can grab hold of it. Right? In fact, the, verses that, the verse that was picked out for the devotional prayer kind of emphasizes that. It says the time is coming and in fact is here now where those who worship will worship in truth and spirit. Right? Truth and spirit. It's, it's those who worship in truth and spirit belong to God's kingdom. And so that's important for us to realize that it's here now. So where do we first see that in the Bible? Well, the answer comes in Genesis chapter 1. 
Now, God created the heavens and the earth. And, and then he says something that's authoritative. He says, let there be light. And there was light, right? That's his authority. That's, he speaks something and it happens. You know, if a king wants to rule, he makes a decree and God made a decree. And everything that he said after that, let there be this, let there be that. And he created animals with just speaking. All things were obedient to him. All things fell under his authority. And so when we fall under his authority, we're under his reign, right? And all things were perfect and and obedient to God. That is until we came into the picture. And uh, we'll get to that a little bit later. But this is what Jesus is telling us. So Jesus comes to proclaim that kingdom. And when he steps on earth, he starts telling us a bunch of truths about the kingdom of heaven. And he shows us what we should look like. And when, we, when we're obedient to God, when we live out those truths in our lives, the kingdom of God is on display through us. And so it's important to remember, remember this, that the kingdom of heaven is here now. It's in our midst. Because if we forget that, then we have a chance of just, like, just waiting. Waiting until we die. You know, waiting until that moment where either Jesus comes back or we're taken home or, or we, we're, we've lived our full life. And, and the truth is, is that Jesus has an awful lot to give us now while we're here. A lot that can fulfill us. Because he says the kingdom of heaven is valuable. So Matthew 13, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure buried in a field that a man found and reburied. Then in his joy, he goes and sells everything he has and buys that field. So what Jesus is saying, what Jesus is saying is that the kingdom of heaven is valuable. So valuable that it would be like a man who would take all of his possessions, sell them to buy a field that he buried it in. And whenever I first like heard that, I remember like a lot of times growing up thinking, well, that's just weird. Why would you just like, why would you bury it and sell your possessions and buy the land? Why not just sneak out the, the treasure when you can and then you can add it to your other stuff that you have, right? And then you can accumulate more treasures. Um, but I think what Jesus is trying to tell us is that this is so valuable that we would be willing to give up anything and everything to be a part of his kingdom, to be a part of what he's doing. We'd be willing to throw it all away. We'd be willing to do things that don't make sense to anybody around us in order to grab hold of this kingdom and take ownership over it. And so that's what he's telling us. He's telling us that it's valuable. And so, so it, because it's valuable, he also tells us to pursue it first. Jesus tells us to pursue it first. So Matthew 6, 25 through 33. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, my worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? Consider how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his glory was adorned like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, whereas here today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, he, will, he, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles strive after these things, and your heavenly Father knows about them, knows what you need. But first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And so, 
And so Jesus is telling us not to worry about our basic needs even because he's saying the kingdom of heaven is so valuable that you need to pursue that first and God will take care of the rest of it, you know? And so, and so he's not even talking about the other, some of the other things we pray for, you know, like that, that new job or that promotion or, or, or some of those other things we pray for. He's talking about the basic needs. He's like, don't even worry about those basic needs that if you don't have, you're gonna die, right? And so... He's telling us to pursue his kingdom before we even come to him asking him for anything we think we need or what we want, right? And I am terrible at this sometimes in my life. In fact, more times than I care to admit because there's so many times where I don't pursue God's kingdom in my life. I pursue my own kingdom. I pursue what I want. And there's so many times where I wake up in the morning and the first thing I pursue or the first thing I seek is not God's kingdom. It's like the snooze button, Right? And then I hit that thing. It doesn't matter how many times you hit that thing. You never feel like you're getting enough rest. But I'm pursuing that. It's like an empty promise. Or I pursue, during, during, this, during the school year when I work, I have to get up. I have to get, take a shower and go straight to work because I get up at 5 and I'm not used to getting up at 5. But during the school year, I get to like go in at work until 12. And so maybe I get up and I go mow the yard. Or maybe I get up and I, I go wash the dishes or do my laundry. And... And maybe a lot of times if there's a time left over, then I'll sit down and I'll just enjoy the rest of my day until I go to work. Um, and I don't always do that routine. But there's a lot of times where I start off with those things instead of pursuing God's kingdom. And, and that's my kingdom. Those are things that I need to accomplish. Those are things that I want to get done. And, and Jesus is telling me to put that aside. You see, in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. And a lot of times we think that that's our opportunity to ask God for something, right? That, you know, prosperity gospel preachers all over the world will say, if you just ask hard enough, you can get that new promotion. You can get that new car. You can get whatever you're wanting. God will heal you of anything you're going through. If you just ask hard enough, if you just seek long enough, if you just knock. And the answer to that is that that's not what those verses are about at all. Those verses are not about seeking what we want. It's about seeking God's kingdom. We know this because everything that surrounds that is a sermon. That sermon is the Sermon on the Mount. And everything around it talks about how we should relate to God and how we should relate to others. And James even elaborates on that when he talks about pursuing the kingdom of heaven. James elaborates and says, You desire and do not have. You murder and, you not, you murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and wage war. You do not have because you do not ask. And Jesus says, ask and you will receive. You ask and you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your own pleasures. And so clearly what Jesus was saying is he's not saying that you ask for whatever you want and I'm going to give it to you. He's saying, ask for the truths. Ask for the things that's going to make you more like Christ. Pursue his kingdom first. And everything else will be added to you. You see, the kingdom of God is not about what we can get out of God. Being a citizen of the kingdom of God is not about that. Being a citizen of the kingdom of God is about what God wants to get out of us. And that's the whole point of the kingdom of God. It's not about us. And yet we pursue his kingdom instead of pursuing ours all the time in day-to-day -day lives in various ways. And so, so first of all, the kingdom of heaven is here now. It's valuable. Jesus tells us to pursue it. And we naturally, as humans, because of our fallen nature, we resist God's kingdom in pursuit of our own. We resist God's kingdom in pursuit of our own. And even as Christians, we do this. 
Like, like I just explained my whole confession to you guys about not always seeking his kingdom first in my life. But first of all, we see in Matthew eleven twelve through 13 and in Matthew 23, 34 through 36, we see that Jesus is talking about those who have gone before him and those who have gone after him to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of heaven. And we see that he's, he's talking about how violence, people have always resisted the kingdom of heaven. And so verses 12 and 13 of chapter 11, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been suffering violence and the violent have been seizing it by force for all the prophets and the law prophesied until, until John. And then Matthew 23, 34 through 36. Therefore, behold, I am sending you prophets and wise men and scribes. Some of them you will crucify, kill and crucify, and some of them you will scourge in your synagogues and persecute from city to city, so that you so that upon you may fall the guilt of all the righteous blood shed on earth, from the blood of righteous Abel to the blood of Zechariah, the son of Barakah. Don't know how to pronounce that, but that's the best I could do. Whom you murder between the temple and the altar. Truly I say to you, all these things will come upon this generation. So what Jesus is saying is that the kingdom of heaven was always under violence. The kingdom of heaven was always being resisted by mankind. That from the beginning, he says even from righteous Abel to Zechariah, that men have come with the kingdom, men have come with good news, and then they have been put to death. If you think about the, the prophets in the Old Testament, they came, they proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of heaven. They, they, said, they told people to repent, turn away from their ways, and live the way that God says. Live under God's authority. And men took those prophets and they stoned them to death. And then John the Baptist comes proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven, telling people to repent, just like the prophets did. Repent and follow, turn to God, obey God. And they took John the Baptist and cut his head off. And then Jesus, the ultimate revelation of who God is, the ultimate revelation of the kingdom of heaven, who came to show us the way, to show us a light that can fulfill us. Right? If, we, if we come into God's kingdom and we live out his truths in our lives, it will be fulfilling, more fulfilling than anything we could ever grab hold of in this world. And they took Jesus and his good news and they nailed him to a cross and they killed him. And they resisted the kingdom of heaven. And so forth with the disciples who became apostles, who made more disciples, and they were brutally murdered and tortured and put in prison. And constantly, mankind has resisted that. So where does that start? Like, where do we see that start in the Bible? Well, we see it start in Genesis. We see it start with Adam and Eve. You see, like I said before, all things were under God's authority. Everything was obedient to God. God said something and it happened. It was his perfect reign, his perfect authority, his perfect kingdom. He told Adam and Eve to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth and to subdue it. That was his kingdom. Fill the earth and subdue it. And then they decided they wanted their own kingdom. Right? Satan comes to them and he shows them something different. He says, you know what, I got a better route for you. you know, if you would just eat this fruit, your eyes are going to be open, you're going to be like God. And it's no different than when Satan tempted Jesus in the wilderness where he said, if you bow down and worship me, I will give you all these kingdoms. He offered them their own kingdom. That's essentially what Satan did. And then they ate the fruit and their eyes were open. And, and at that point, another kingdom became visible. And it's not God's kingdom, it's our kingdom, the kingdom of man. It's also known as the Broadway. The Broadway is the path that all people go down. Most people go down. Very few people find the narrow way, which is living in God's kingdom. Most people take the Broadway. And so their eyes were open. There was another kingdom available. And as that happened, you can watch in Genesis, you can watch those two kingdoms begin. 
Cain's, Cain and Abel. Abel comes to God, he makes a sacrifice, his heart is right with God, he is, he is dedicated to God, and, and Cain is not, Cain is about himself. So you see that Abel makes that sacrifice to God and doesn't accept Cain's sacrifice, and so Cain pursues his own kingdom by killing Abel because he wants, what's, what, he wants what he wants out of life, right? He wants what's best for him. And, and, and his anger, because he's living in his own kingdom, causes him to act out that way. That's what happens when we live in our own kingdom. We act out irrationally. We do things that only benefit us, that, that glorify ourselves. And so at that point, you start to see two kingdoms kind of laying out. If you watch, you can see Cain's descendants and you can see Seth's descendants. Seth was born after Abel. You can see both of their descendants like come... You can see that played out throughout the beginning of Genesis where Cain's descendants are all violent. Cain's descendants are about making a name for themselves. Cain's descendants are about being prideful and arrogant and glorifying themselves, right? In fact, in Genesis 11:4, his descendants, those who come from Cain, were, were, were talking about coming together and pursuing their own kingdom. It said, come, they said, let us build for ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens that we may name we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the earth. And so what they were pursuing was to glorify themselves, to make a name for themselves. So in the kingdom of God, this is what it looks like. You have those who hear God's word and they respond to it in obedience and they love God and they seek to glorify God. But in the kingdom of ourselves, in our own kingdom, the kingdoms of the world, we pursue to glorify ourselves. We pursue to build ourselves up. And that's the, that's the history of the, kingdom, the kingdoms, the two kingdoms that exist in our world. And really, there's only two. Either you're part of the narrow way or you're part of the broad way. And so we see that play out through all history. Those kingdoms are still in existence today in every single country all over the world, even in the United States. And, and I, had, I had this laid on my heart before I realized tomorrow was Memorial Day, so it has nothing to do with any of that. Um... But we see this play out in the United States as much as we do any country all over the world. Two kingdoms exist here. And so what does that look like? Certainly there's a lot of good that comes out of this country. We do a lot of good things. There are a lot of those who are Christians who do a lot of great things for the kingdom of God. Um, and obviously there's a broad path. We can see that, that there are many who are turning away from God's ways. They don't want anything to do with God. And so there, that obviously exists. But I think, I think one of the hardest points is that we, we as Christians, where do we stand in all of that? Well, I would say a lot of us, including myself, and many times, um, we kind of dabble in both kingdoms in this country. You know, we have one foot in the kingdom of God and one foot in the kingdom of the world, and we, sometimes we try to pursue both of those. And... We do it in many ways. It's, it's when we have our goals in life. It's when we have the things that we want out of life and we pursue those things instead of pursuing God's kingdom and we get caught up in the distractions. It's easy to do. We get caught up in the distractions of what this country's told us what life is about. Right? That's easy. Like in, in this country, I could tell you from my perspective, like growing up here, I've been told my whole life that it's about me. I've been told my whole life that it's about you can follow your dreams, you can pursue your goals. And to a certain extent, that's not a bad thing, but, but I've, and oftentimes in my life, I've made those goals, I've made those things about myself, I've made them my main priority. And I think a lot of us as Christians do that in this country. We get distracted by what we want 
on a personal, on a personal individual basis, we, we pursue our own kingdoms in various ways. Um, but we also pursue our kingdoms in ways that there are larger groups of people pursuing, and, and that's, I'm just going to say politics. Okay? I, I know that, that that's something that, that we don't like to talk about in church, but I think it needs to be talked about a little bit in church, that um, as Christians, we, ha- we have a time in our, in our country where Christians on both sides are pursuing politics, are pursuing the things of this world, and, and focusing on this world more than what we pursue God's kingdom. And so we make it about left or right, Democrat or Republican, uh, capitalism or socialism, and all of those things. And, and we, we put our trust in, in whatever side we believe in. We pursue that worldview. Interestingly enough, none of those worldviews are going to be in the kingdom of God. In the kingdom of God, you won't have Democrat and Republican. In the kingdom of God, you won't have socialism or capitalism. In the kingdom of God, none of that will exist, but it seems to be very thick in the church right now, all over this country, that many Christians, we pursue both of those and we make those ideologies ours, and it's not, it's not something that's necessarily beneficial because we think that those who we elect are going to save us from the problems that we face, and they can't. Whether they're Democrat or Republican, they can't. And there are Christians on both sides who indulge in, and, and get so consumed by that that we're pursuing our own kingdom in that way. And, and it causes division in the church. And that's one of the hardest things that's happened because if the church isn't unified because we're so divided by politics, then that's not a good place to be. But we put all of our stock, we put all of our faith in who we can vote for and we want the next candidate to be the one that we want. And if we could just do that, then everything would be okay. And that's, that's a lot of times what we think. And, and so what am I saying? Am I saying that we shouldn't pray for our country? No, I'm definitely not saying that. I think we should pray faithfully for those who are our leaders and those who are our, our president and those who are in the lawmaking, especially right now, because right now there's a lot of laws being passed that are not of God. And so we should definitely pray for that. Am I saying we shouldn't vote? No. I think that God's given us that right. I think it's, it's a blessed right to be able to do that. And like I've said before, I've grown up loving the freedoms that I have in this country, and it would be nice. And that's one step that I can take to do that. Sometimes it feels like our votes don't count. Um, but that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that far too many of us as Christians despair and lose hope when we don't get the president that we want in the White House. And far too many of us as Christians get angry and hateful and bitter when we don't get who we want in the White House. And on the flip side of that, far too many of us as Christians, when we do get the person we want in the White House, we say, yes, things are going to change, things are going to get better, finally we're saved and all our problems are gone, and that's not true. And we've seen that throughout the history of time. There is no president who can fix the things that are wrong with this country. And we're, we're pursuing, when, when we make it about that, when we make our lives about the politics of the world, we're, we're pursuing the politics of the world, but we're like taking our focus off the politics of heaven, the policies of heaven, the things that God wants us to focus on, that he says to pursue first, that are important. And we worry. We worry about who gets the... I don't want a tyrant to get into the White House. Right? We worry about like a tyrant that might get into the White House and ruin our lives. But brothers and sisters in Christ, the, the biggest tyrant in my life is not who's in the White House. The biggest tyrant in my life is me. 
This is why Jesus says to deny yourself, to turn away from going your own way. Because I am a tyrant in my life. As, as the words of Paul, I, I do things that I shouldn't do and I, I, I don't do the things that I should do. That's lo- loosely quoting. But that's the tyrant side of us is we still have a flesh slide, fleshly side that, that still fights for the right to get what it wants, right? And so 2,000 years ago, when Jesus came into this world, they thought he was gonna fix the government, Right? They thought that he was going to overthrow the Roman Empire, kick him out. He was going to make all things better. And Jesus is like, no, you guys got bigger problems than that. I didn't come to deliver you from the Roman Empire. I didn't come to fix your government. I'm not worried about that. I came for something bigger. I came to deliver you from your sin, and I came to deliver you from yourselves. That's what Jesus came for. And when we forget that, and we focus on the politics that are happening in our kingdom, our world, our country, we, we can lose hope. It, it doesn't show that when we, when we worry so much about who's in the White House, it doesn't show that we're trusting God. It doesn't show that we're trusting that we have a king on his throne who reigns supreme, who is in control, knows everything that's going on. It does not show that. What it kind of shows is that we've become comfortable and confident in the kingdoms of the world. And Jesus tells us to stop. Stop pursuing those things. Seek God's kingdom first. I'll take care of the rest. Stop pursuing the things that you have no control over. And stop worrying about those things. That's what that whole passage was in Matthew chapter 6. It was stop worrying about those things. Like that's the headline of it. The cure for worry is what it's often called, or the cure for anxiety. And so... So Jesus is telling us to leave that, that mindset behind because the worldviews in the kingdom of heaven, none of, none of the politicians are trying to usher in the kingdom of heaven. I'm sorry to tell you the truth, but none of them are trying to usher in God's kingdom. They have their own worldview, and both of those worldviews will perish. Both of those worldviews will not exist when Jesus establishes this kingdom. It will be completely different than what we see right now. And so let's not put all of our stock and what men are doing in the kingdoms that men are establishing right now. Let's put our stock in a kingdom that has always been and has never failed, has never, never been taken by men and, and, and defeated. It can't be defeated. There's no tyrant that could enter and, and take control over the kingdom of heaven. God has it in his hands and he will not let it go. And he is in control. One of the things we, we try, one of the things we are tempted to do when we do follow the politics and the kingdoms of the world, instead of detaching ourselves, I mean, I'm not saying don't pray, I'm not saying don't get involved voting, obviously, like I said earlier, but when we, detach, when we don't detach ourselves from the mindset is we become involved in something that's a, that's a narrative, right? a narrative of the left or a narrative of the right. You have beliefs that you share with other people, and some of those beliefs aren't even like what God says to believe, Right? There's a lot of beliefs right now that are doing exactly what the kingdoms that came before us did to build their towers, so to speak, right? Come, let us build our towers, right? And and those towers are built, in our country, are being built by two different ways of thinking. One is the thought of indulge in every sin that we can. It doesn't matter if God says it's wrong. It doesn't matter if God says not to do it. Let's just do that. 
And we see that now. I, I, I was, Sarah was reading to me some of this bill that's about to be passed where they're going to start teaching in schools a bunch of different sexual things that I never thought that I would see. And it's, it's pretty messed up stuff, but it just kind of shows how depraved our minds can get when we follow that kingdom and, and begin to indulge in things that God says is wrong. And another mindset behind it that's building this tower is one that's been around for a long time as well too, is let's make a name for ourselves. Let's make our country great. And God says both of those are wrong. And I know that's a very controversial thing to say on both sides with everything I just said, but I'm only echoing what the Bible says. What the Bible shows us is that any nation that has ever tried to make a name for themselves, to make themselves great, or has indulged in endless sin, disobedient to God, he has judged. He has passed judgment on them. But in all of this, in all of this, individually in our individual lives and as a nation, we're pursuing kingdoms that aren't going to last. And, and Jesus is inviting us to pursue his kingdom. Right? Jesus says to the woman at the well, I want to give you water of living life. You'll never thirst again. You'll be completely satisfied in what I have to give you. And Jesus also says, I'm the bread of life. and tells us to, to, to consume him at some point and then that if we do that, that we'll be satisfied and we'll never hunger again. And what Jesus is really saying is that you can find ultimate fulfillment in my kingdom. You can find fulfillment and hope and peace and joy that will never end. It is something that this world cannot give us. No matter how much sin we indulge in or no matter how much we indulge in the worldviews and the politics of this world to try to live in a greater place, it doesn't matter. None of it will satisfy us. Jesus says, I am the only one that will satisfy your soul. I am the only one that can lead you in the ways of God and by living in those ways, you can find fulfillment. And when we go outside of those ways, we'll never find it. Why is this important? Because I do believe, and even in my own life, that many of us as Christians were seeking different kingdoms at times in our lives. And that if Christians from all sides would come together on the common truths that Jesus has given us, we could be a light in this country. We could show the way to those who are lost. And I guarantee you that it would not be the same country that it is if we did live in God's kingdom now. That it would be a better, I don't want to say it's going to be a utopia. I never think that it's going to change everybody's heart and everybody's going to suddenly be on fire for God. But there will be hope, a greater hope than what we have now. When we live out that kingdom, Jesus is inviting us to that kingdom. And the question is, have you, have you accepted that invitation to that kingdom? Jesus invites all of us to be a part of what he's doing, to have eternal life with him. Because see, the kingdom, yes, the kingdom of heaven is now, just as I've said this whole thing, but it is also something that one day God will judge the entire world and those who belong to him, he will welcome into his kingdom and those who don't belong to him, he will reject them. And the only way into that kingdom, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. And he says, in order to enter into the kingdom of heaven, you have to be born again, which means that you have to give your life to Christ, and he has to change you inside. Change the way you think, change the way you live, and love others, because that's the two laws of the kingdom of heaven, to love God and love others. And when we live those out, we're living in the kingdom now. 
James calls those the royal law. And the royal law signifies God's reign now. When we live those out, we signify that. And Jesus says you have to be born again to even think like you're supposed to think in the kingdom of heaven. You can't see it unless you're born again. And so what Jesus did was he came, he died for our sins so that we could be forgiven, and he was raised from the dead so that we can enter the kingdom of heaven. We can have a relationship with this God who's amazing, who loves us, pursues us, even when we're not pursuing his kingdom, he pursues us. God only knows why. What does he see in us? I have no idea. It's what his love is. It's his character that causes him to love us. And a relationship with him will ultimately fulfill our souls. And he's inviting us to a kingdom that is eternal, a kingdom that will satisfy the very depths of our soul. And so consider these truths this morning, that the kingdom of God is here. It's in our midst. It's available to take hold of. It's at hand. Jesus tells us to pursue that kingdom first. If we pursue that kingdom first, he will take care of us. Oftentimes we resist God, but he still loves us. And he's still waiting for us to turn to him, waiting for us to turn away from our own kingdoms. And when we do, we find ourselves in a kingdom that's worth being in. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we thank you for your love, that you love your son enough to come into this world and, and to die for our sins so that we can be forgiven. We love we love you that you love us enough to reveal your kingdom to us and the truths and the treasures so that we can live in a more fulfilling kingdom that will never perish, God. I pray as we go on through the rest of our lives that you'll just help us to put aside the things that are distractions, God. There are so many distractions in our lives and that you will help us to pursue your kingdom instead of our own. God, you know our hearts. You said in your word that Jesus knew the hearts of man that we were wicked. And so you know what it takes to turn our hearts to you, Lord. And I pray that many of us as Christians all across this country and all across the world will be awakened, that we will turn to your kingdom, that we will turn to your will in our lives to obey you and to follow you, that you could wake this country up, that you could wake the world up, and Christians all over would pursue your kingdom. And those who are lost would pursue your kingdom as well. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your patience with us, Lord. It is hard to be patient with us sometimes, but we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.